If you like to get it done and not spend more than is necessary to learn anything, this is the podcast for you. It's named after my book, Eight Minutes to Ageless. Just 15 minutes every week, you will learn something cool to make your body better, your life better, your mind better. I share tips from my books, from other great healthcare books, some interviews with people who are making life look easy, and peeks into some case studies I see every day as a chiropractor. I've been a practicing healthcare provider for 40 years and have about another 20 under my belt because I love to see people get well, feel better, have hope, and make life better for those around them. My name is Kelly Pearson, and I'm the host of this podcast. So let's get going. Hey, welcome to another episode of Eight Minutes to Ages, where I'm trying to figure out how to help you live a life well without spending too much time in the process. And today, I'm calling my talk, oh, it'll be fine. Uh, that's something I hear a lot after people get hurt. Oh, I'm good. It, it, it'll, it'll get better. And sometimes if the injury is not too significant, the body can walk itself out. But a lot of times injuries need some form of treatment. At the very least, they need rest to recover. At the very least, they need sleep and good nutrition and, and that type of thing. But Let's just say that you have um, done something that's pretty traumatic and you walk it off and yeah, it hurts like heck, but mm, I'll just see how it goes. I'm, I'm hopeful that this too shall heal. But I want, I want to connect the dots here for you guys. And I'm going to use my, my own ridiculous self as, as um, a case uh, in particular. So when I was 18... I was riding my bicycle in Santa Monica with a friend of mine in college and the car door opened up. I was riding on the street, the car door opened up and I veered and it slammed into a telephone pole with my wrist stopping fall. And um, no surprise, I broke my navicular, which is a small bone in the wrist, kind of hard to heal. It's got only unilateral circulation, so it heals slower. But the um, doctors kept missing it. Like they took an x-ray, they didn't see anything. They sent me home. And so I was like, oh, I'm good. I'm good. And at that point, I was studying with a professor at UCLA who was into energetic healing. Very interesting woman. I talk about her in my book, but she invited me to a meditation group where they do some healings. And I sat, I hear I'm an 18 year old woman my professor is 70 years old. She's a rock star. I'm like, okay. So I went to her house in Malibu and I sat in a circle with 12 other women or so. And they, they were doing some breathing and some meditation work, getting ready. And then she simply asked them to send energy to my hand. And within about a minute, my hand was so hot. I mean, they were intentionally sending healing energy to my hand. So I'm like, sweet, this is awesome. You know, I'm, I'm healed. And uh, then the next day they called me from the UCLA Med Center and said, oh, you know, we've had another radiologist take a look and oh gosh, your, your hand is broken, come on in. So I, um, I went and like a dutiful person went in and they casted me, but I had such certainty that the healing had actually worked that over, oh, I don't know, about a week, 10 days later, that was the days of plastic plaster of Paris cast casts. Um, I went into my dorm room and went to the to the group bathroom and, and took a tub and 
basically melted my cast off because I was fine. And, and you know, it really, it did feel fine. And I went back to the UCLA Med Center shortly thereafter. I said, hey, you know what? My hand's been healed. And he took an x-ray and he couldn't find anything particular, but that wasn't surprising because they struggled initially. And he said, you know, ma'am, you are going to have a lot of hand pain when you grow up. You're going to be really sorry. <laughs> You're going to be really sorry. You're being stupid. Well, you know, I was 18, so la-di-da, there I go. Interestingly enough, I choose a profession, chiropractic. Kairos means hands. Somebody who practices with their hands, and I've been doing this for 40 years, and I don't have any hand pain, um, but I do have bone overgrowth, which happens because the fracture, which is probably hairline, reacted to the stress, and it it grew bigger, and so therefore it can impinge or put pressure on my median nerve very, very rarely, but I can get some hand numbness if there's any swelling in my hand or if I eat poorly or eat sugar, things like that. I could wake up with a tiny bit of numbness. I can make it go away as I mobilize my wrist, but was that a stupid thing to do? Well, probably should have erred on the side of caution, probably should have worn the cast, probably should have uh, experienced that meditation moment as a cool adventure. And yet that's not what I chose to do. Well, it turned out okay, but not perfectly. And one day when I retire, I might have to have that, the surgery to go in and kind of carve out some of that extra bone from the, the um, bony overgrowth from my navicular in, in its attempt to try to stabilize me when I was a little nut, nutball 18 year old. Um, doing all the things I do, waiting tables at the time and carrying heavy tray services and things like that. I'm lucky, but not perfect. I do have some numbness from time to time. And like I said, I might need surgery. So the, I was an example of somebody who was kind of stupid. I, I, um, I, I, I find it kind of weird though, because I, I excuse myself from that because I had the, uh, the healing event, but really many of you listening to this would be like, really Kelly, come on. So that's kind of an example of what I'm talking about, but here's another one. Um, I treat a pretty aggressive group of athletes. And one of them is a, a well-renowned mountain climber who broke his leg when he was in his early twenties, shattered his ankle and um, kind of hid from, from view from medical treatment because he was on the mountain and he kind of limped around, got better sort of, and then by the time he went in to see a doctor at someone's behest several weeks later, it was too too far along to cast anything. And he was like, well, yeah, good, good luck with that. And so now, you know, forward 50 years or 40 years, he's, he's had stiffness and pain in that ankle off and on for years and years, but it's just getting worse and worse. And so now he's, he's in a tough spot because eventually old age will happen to us if we're lucky. And when those injuries that we've been ignoring, 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 start to really kick in and, and the body's trying to stabilize it because it hurts to walk, he's gonna be throwing a lot of calcium down around the bones to fuse them. And the outside of his fibula, which is a little bone on the outside of your ankle, you know, should be the size of uh, maybe three pencils um, um, put together. But his is like six, six pencils because it's grown so much. And that bad boy doesn't have the ability to move favorably in relationship to um, its, its, uh, its counterparts, the, the tibia and, and the talus. And there is a certain amount of movement that we're never ever gonna get back because he's just ignored it for so long. 
Now, thankfully, we've been able to do some things to improve what motion he, he, he does have that was restricted from the pain and get some of these muscles firing a little better and teaching him a proper stretch that's not too irritating because guess what a stretch that hurts generally not helping very much because the body tightens up so he's gonna he's gonna get better but he's never gonna be without the reminder and um that's a little bit frustrating but i see this and i don't mean to be gender um gender specific here but typically more men can ignore their pain than women and um, i don't know if it's the um, nurturing piece that women have to care for their children, particularly, and so they realize they have to actually apply that to their own body. But men um, can be on the go and like, whatever, I'm not a baby, I'm, I'm fine, leave me alone, this will get better. But sometimes that's, that's their being. Now, certainly, I've seen women do the same thing. It's just more often that, that the male's um, gender falls into that role. Um, another situation was a young man who tore his Achilles tendon while playing basketball. And he did have surgery, you know, going in and, and connect the dots again. And um, his surgeon was kind of cavalier and said, you don't need PT, it'll be fine. And he continued to um, play hard. And over time he developed kind of a short gait. And um, because when you have a tight Achilles, you don't really want to stride out because when you do that and you put that heel too far forward, you're going to have to come up off that toe and stretch that calf muscle a little bit more. But if you have this little tiny gait, then you know, you're safer. You don't have to stretch the calf. Well, let me tell you, that's the beginning of aging is when you start to shorten your gait, when, when you can't take that big stride out. And um, over time, what happens is when you take these little tiny gates, your knee takes a hit. It doesn't get to have the full range of motion that it really likes. How you make a joint happy is allow it to go through its full range of motion. Um, you've got to let them, the joints move, but with the short gait, that doesn't happen. And so he was more prone then to um, a little bit of knee instability and a dog hit him from the side and took out his knee at a relatively young age. And I'm, I feel fairly certain that if he had had uh, a more functional gait, he would have had a less problematic or a stronger knee, if you will. So, you know, he should have been stretching his calf. He should have been getting soft tissue work. He should have been getting his ankle adjusted. You know, someone should have said, don't ignore this. And when it's tender and sore, it's because the body says, I need something here. You know, pain is our best friend. It, it tells us there's something not right here. Um, now, chronic pain can be a different scenario where the stimulus that's causing the pain has now been reinterpreted in the brain as pain, and the pain might not even be there. But there's a ways around that, too. There's, there's a lot of strategies for people in that situation. But certainly acute pain is, is your friend, and you need to attend to it. Um, another person I have seen recently, gosh, I'm picking on men here, but he fell hard off a dock and uh, broke a couple ribs and, and landed on a boat, broke about four or five ribs and um, really super hard and impaled one of his lungs. And, and they had to take him into acute care, of course, to normalize the lung function. But then he did nothing to mobilize the rib mobility. You know, our ribs kind of open up and then close down. So they open, they flail outward as you inspire, as that diaphragm moves up 
and then they come down as your diaphragm drops down. And those ribs should be just like um, a fan or a bellows. This nice motion. When, when I put my hands around the side of somebody's rib cage, I should feel that opening and closing. But in this particular guy's case, it's just like, <laughs> it wasn't moving. And then sadly, what happens over time there is you stop your ability to bend to the left and bend to the right. And guess what? When you can't bend to the left and bend to the right, now your lumbar spine is getting stiff as heck. And now your low back is more prone to injury because you've developed this stiffness in your low back where you didn't even have the injury. But when you have a tight rib cage, it's going to influence not only your thoracic spine, the middle of your back, but it's going to influence your low back. And so this guy developed more arthritis in his low back. And subsequently, um, because he ignored it, uh, he, in his, in his seventh de decade, um, was also getting stenosis. And that's when calcium is building up to support stability. But the calcium, sadly, is um, in the area of the spinal cord or the nerve root. So uh, the area is getting choked down, stenosis. And now you've got nerve pull or nerve pressure. And that sucks because you may need surgery to unwind some of that bone overgrowth, or you may need to just fuse it, fuse the joints and take it all out, all the extra bony um, overgrowth because you have to fuse it because now it's unstable because you've taken away so much of the bony overgrowth. So it gets complicated. My point there is if the guy had broken his ribs and got better, came back, got some care, got some massage, learned to lengthen those intercostal muscles, those little tiny muscles between the ribs that look like, well, it's kind of what you eat when you're eating spare ribs. Um, you're eating the muscle, <laughs> sorry to make that analogy, but you're eating the muscles between the ribs that keep that, that allow the ribs to open and close. And those can easily, easily be opened and closed. You just have to attend to it. Somebody who knows what the heck they're doing needs to help you. It could be a massage therapist, a chiropractor, a physical therapist. So you can see how you know, these, these things in the case of a mountain climber getting in sooner than later to get his foot casted. And then when he got his darn cast off to get to massage or PT or chiropractic to mobilize the, the soft tissues, do the proper soft tissue therapy, teach him how to walk. Same with the guy with Achilles tendon. You know, I, I'm, I'll, I'll throw something out there that uh, some surgeons may be irritated by, but when a surgeon says to a patient, you don't need PT, I think they're crazy. I think they're nuts. But in truth, a lot of surgeons have been um, burned by PTs who have gotten too aggressive with rehabilitative care, post-surgical post care, and have actually aggravated the surgical um, condition. So, you know, it's like, okay, once they get burned, they don't want to, they don't want to be, they don't want to be stressed again. So then the surgeon stops referring to PT. I've seen that happen more than once. Um, so and with the rib fracture, um, honestly, you can do a lot of cool stuff. In my book, I have the two balance protocol and the side bending stretches over time can really start to open that up. And when you read the chapter about proper breathing, that can help because the breathing causes the diaphragm to move up and down. So um, that kind of gives you some ideas about why you should not wait to get care. Uh, if you want a couple great books, uh, Joe Dispenza, is a guy who he's actually a chiropractor interestingly enough he doesn't talk about it in any of his work but he's done a lot of work on meditation and he speaks about how our anxiety creates these 
these tensions in our body unconsciously. He's written several books, but one of them, Rewire Your Anxious Brain. That's Dispenza, D-I-S-P-E-N-Z-A, Joe Dispenza, Rewire Your Anxious Brain, is a really cool book for you to see how your body becomes what your brain's thinking. Your brain's thinking stress, anxiety, your body goes into the stress, anxiety state, like, oh yeah, yeah, I know how to do that. Thank, thanks for the stimulus. I can, I can tighten up, I can stop breathing, I can shorten up, I can you know, cause all kinds of pain and distress. But you can actually rewire the brain in multiple ways to mitigate that. And another great book is uh, by Chris Mayer, M-A-H-E-R, Free for Life. He's a remarkable man. I'm, I'm actually hoping to study with him. I'm reading his material and then we'll do an initial interview because he can, he's got a particularly fabulous protocol for dealing with PTSD, both physical and sexual and otherwise, and help to rewire the bodies to get some of those anxious thought patterns out of the body so you can actually start living your life again. And it's really nice because it's using breath and um, movement and massage protocols without medication and without, you know, special expensive procedures or in implementation of tools or anything like that. So I'll keep you more posted on that as I learn more. So I hope today when you hear somebody say, oh, it'll be fine, that you say to them, stop it. <laughs> you need you need to get care and let's, you know, get your friends scheduled for, for some care, even if it's nominal, something is better than nothing. All right, y'all. Well, that's the end of for me today. And I hope you all have a terrific day. Bye. Hey, thanks for spending 15 minutes with me. My website, pearsonwary.com, includes an awesome, if I don't say so myself, online classes I teach on chronic neck and chronic back pain really designed to give you tools to kick your own pain. If you want to play on the civility workshop with us, you'll find the Zoom links on that resource page as well. Pick up my book, Eight Minutes to Ageless, for someone who's driving you nuts, moping around, feeling sorry for themselves. If you want to watch online videos of the active content of my book, go to 8minutestoageless.com. Of course, a great review of this podcast is always appreciated and even better to share it with a friend. Hope you have a terrific day.